things that we hear about and is, you know, in terms of those questions that you were asking. So perhaps there's a way to eloquently change the dialogue of what is being asked of that patient and to change psychologically kind of shape the trust factor between the patient and the administrator or the nursing staff or the physician assistant, whoever is actually doing the intake to get the patient open up the same exact way as they would if they were talking to the physician. So then the physician is not asking the same exact questions that the physician's assistant or the nurse practitioner has just asked, and they actually are focused on the problem at hand. And also utilizing to the fullest degree the leverage of your electronic medical record system how can we utilize it to capture the information so that the patient actually addresses a lot of this even before the patient walks in? Hi, my friend. Welcome back to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA, a public health practitioner with a background in neuroscience and a peak performance coach. I'm here to empower you, an ambitious healthcare professional with a demanding career, just like me, to become a confident leader who are living fulfilled and purposeful so you can be both a powerhouse in your career and the passionate person in life without feeling overwhelmed, underappreciated, or undervalued. As a bonus, we're hosting a online summit just for you live starting on July 27th to August 1st with 18 experts in our field to give you a recharge in life. All the proceeds will be donated to the Brave of Heart Fund, which supports healthcare professionals and their family who has passed away due to COVID-19. But it is free to join. So hop over to sabrinarumback.com forward slash summit to find out more. You can also see the link in our show note. In the meantime, let's continue our journey for your powerful and passionate life with today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. And today we have the honor of having Margaret with us. And she is a founder and CEO of MK Medical Solutions, LLC. They provide clients with the on-site and virtual assistance in implementation and operations stages and launching a private practice. A passion of hers is to help healthcare organizations see the patient as a consumer, not just a byproduct of the industry, and to improve access to behavioral health. Patients are becoming smarter and more educated, which ultimately gives them the power to shop around and they would in any business. So I love it having Margarita with us because she empowers the patient and also empower us as healthcare professionals so we can have better engagement with them. So yay, thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. I love having conversations with you as we were just before this started. We can talk for hours, whether it's about healthcare improvement or improving our own personal journeys. I love engaging with folks that are on the spiritual journey, the professional development journey, any kind of a journey that essentially gets you to improve yourself 
that's my jam. I'm there for it because I'm a very, very big believer in learning and continuing education to improve yourself and to believe in what you do, to push it out there so that folks resonate with it and they understand. They might not understand your mission or your vision, but they might understand your passion for it. And I think that's what's really, really, really important. So yeah, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to chat with you. Yeah, I, me and、uh, Margarita, we actually met. I don't even know, maybe six months ago, and、um, through social media, right? Like even before all this pandemic, and who knows, you can use internet a right way without getting distracted. And we happen to just be connected in. I believe we are in some kind of a mutual group, and we start just、What、having it. Women. Yes, yes. So we were in women helping women entrepreneur, and、um, I don't even know what topic we got on, but we just started a conversation, and we start clicking. And both of us are in healthcare. She focused more so on the mental health,、uh, psychiatry, as psychologist. As she's actually telling me before the show, you're running and being a moderator for a group. That's so awesome. And I become more of the surgical, the medical side for being a PA. So we were just like firing off and really wanted to get together to record this podcast for you guys. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've been an administrator by trade for I'm gonna age myself、uh, since 1998. So I started out in the healthcare industry in 1998, and I've been in various aspects of it, working in different sides of the business.、Uh, an administrator, so not a clinician. I've had the distinct privilege of actually getting to work for some of the most powerful and most important innovators of the healthcare industry, such as Unified Physician Management, also known as Unified Women's Healthcare. And I've also worked, started an outpatient pediatric rehabilitation center. That is very, very close to my heart. That focuses on discovering abilities and building independence for folks that have various developmental ailments and conditions. And so, I've worked in all of these different aspects, whether it's in behavioral health or physical health and billing, revenue cycle management. So, it's given me such a wonderful assessment of the day-to-day operations and how. Cumbersome our healthcare institution system actually is. I mean, it is so fragmented that even folks that are like within the industry, once we start kind of leaving our safety nets, whether if we're just like in an OB/GYN section, or if we are in dental section, or if we are in hospital-based versus outpatient, we're starting to see how segmented it truly is. And then on the total opposite end of it, you're looking at the side of the patient who has been accustomed to feel that it's normal standard behavior for you to walk into a doctor's office, sit there for three hours, waiting to be seen, be asked ten thousand questions by the administrative staff, and then being asked the same exact question by a nursing agent. And then be asked the same exact question by the physician, who, by the way, does not do one of these. 
and does one of these. You're in front of me and this is the doctor, right? How many of us have had that conversation? We're coming in and the eye contact from the clinician to the patient is so minimal. I mean, it's great that we've really been starting in the past couple of years to identify it. A lot of it's been improved because of value-based contracting and all of these drives to engage patients. But here's what it comes down to. An educated patient is a consumer. And physicians are starting to understand that. And they're starting to understand that why. They're starting to understand because they're losing patients. That's why they're starting to understand it. What happened? Why is it that I'm no longer seeing the same amount of patients that I was seeing last year? Is it because my insurance panel has changed? What other factors are being affected with it? And so what's happening is that as patients are becoming more educated, what are they doing? They're finding out who the doctor is what insurance the doctor takes, what school did the doctor go to, what is the specialty of that physician, especially if it's a mental health professional, then the patient, especially the younger patients, they're going to want to know, okay, well, I'm going to go on to your psychology today and I'm going to see that you suffer, vir- you not suffer, you um, treat virtually every single condition that exists. So what's your niche? What makes you a specialist in my anxiety? What makes you a specialist in my depression? What makes you a specialist in my X, Y, and Z? So the progressive clinicians are starting to understand that their patient is becoming a consumer and the patient is not just shopping around for the patient satisfaction scores that the clinician might have or what psychology today might have to say, but also what the specialty is of that doctor or that uh, therapist or that whatever the other issue that we have that I was talking about to you earlier is the disconnect we have in terms of lack of standardization in mental health. So we have one kind of license that represents a licensed mental health counselor in Florida, and then you're going to go to California, it's going to be a licensed professional clinical counselor, and then you're going to go to Illinois, and it's going to be LCPC, I think, I'm trying to remember the name. But the point is that even the fact that I had to think about it, an MD is an MD is an MD. An OBGYN is an OBGYN is an OBGYN. But when we're talking about mental health, all bets are off the table. We're going to have every single state gets its own decision as to what kind of a mental health specialty it wants to have. And then come hell or high water, they don't want to see somebody else until COVID changed the game. COVID comes in, states are starting to understand, oh my God, we have an issue. We don't have the exact amount of providers available to treat this pandemic. So some states are completely waiving all requirements and they're saying, oh, you're a provider in, uh, for example, Alaska. Alaska wants to take clinicians on. They don't care what state they're in. If you're a licensed independent uh, professional, uh, whatever, if you're an LMHC, LPCC, whatever specialty you have in your designated area within behavioral health, you have to just do a three-part process, which is you're going to submit one uh, uh, emergency application, you're going to submit a registration, and you're going to register for the teletherapy. The whole process takes approximately 25 to 30 days. You're done. And then you could start treating patients and providing the care that's needed during the pandemic and it's going to expire in November unless they're going to extend it. But the whole entire concept is that when we're looking just at all of the fragmented pieces, so we talked 
about, you know, healthcare being fragmented in terms of policy and licensure statuses within different states. And we talked about a patient being an educated consumer. All of these things, they come into effect when we're creating policy as administrators or as state regulators are starting to see. I think one of the most fundamental things that I have kind of heard and learned along the journey, I'm a really big fan of Becker's Hospital Review podcast and everything that Becker's does. And uh, Scott Becker had interviewed somebody, and I apologize, whoever you are, that's somebody that Scott Becker interviewed, but I'm going to say the quote, and you'll know who you are. So when this circulates, maybe somebody could uh, hold me true to my word and correct me. But this individual said, before COVID hit, our main concerns were how are we going to be able to operate with all of the meetings that we had scheduled that we thought that we would never be able to go without. And the second COVID hit, those meetings that we thought that we could never actually run without were the first things to go out the window. And guess what happens? Doctors treated patients, nurses provided care, administrators stepped in when they needed, and healthcare ran the way that it should be. Take the bureaucracy out of it, start treating patients as you should be treating them, understand that a patient is a consumer, and start providing care that makes sense. You know, and I could ramble about this, God, for hours. So I'm going to shut up right now because I think that there's like a few more things that I could definitely throw in, but I'll save them for a little bit later. (laughs) And I think you brought up such great points, right? One thing is, when people start going into these leadership and administrative level, we start feeling like we need to have meetings to get opinion from everyone, which is crucial because we want everyone to be heard, to be understood. However, when you have back-to-back meeting, which we know it happens a lot, right? In any operation standpoint, I experienced myself, I've seen other people done it, right? From the healthcare uh, leadership side, or who are just only going to administration. But when you have back-to-back meetings, not everything gets solved. It just becomes someone have to take notes or you're in these meetings because you only need to say this one thing, but you still have to be there listening to everybody else's chiming in. So it's not the best way to use our time. And uh, not also the one thing is that not everyone gave you a heads up about what's the intent of this meeting. Even you might have set schedule, people don't really exactly follow that, right? Or people have the fear of missing out. If I don't be there, what if the client needs me? What if this other uh, leadership might bring up something that I don't know, this other person might know? But we can be resourceful and just say, that person's not there. Let me find out for you at this amount of time so you have your answer right? And not pulling people left and right. And your point about patient being just treated where we don't see them as much, and it is valid. When people have back-to-back, you block out only 10 to 15 minutes to see each patient. Yeah, for sure. You have the MAs taking the questionnaire, you have nursing, and then we are always taught as providers, you have to repeat some of the question just in case it wasn't asked the correct way or it wasn't the patient didn't really heard it 
Right. So they might be able to give you a more in-depth answer when you repeat the question. But yes, for the patient, I already told this person, I already told that person. And for us to be efficient about notating, we'll start typing array on the computer, right? Instead of just tentatively look at our patient, speak to him or her, and then jot down. It is difficult all the way around, but at the end of the day, we treat patient just like we would treat our friends or our families and put them into that perspective and to think about what's the outcome they want to get to and how we can give them options to get there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's so interesting. I went to an event in South Florida. It's called, uh, I'm part of an organization called Women's Healthcare Executive Network of South Florida. So I sit on the board of directors there and we've had various different events where we went into different hospitals and we've had different leaders within those hospitals talk about how they improve healthcare access and just wonderful educational events that are just great for you to be involved in because you get to have a one-on-one dialogue or to listen to these leaders of these hospital institutions like Palmetto General or Broward Health or, you know, Baptist, all these different institutions that talked about amazing improvements within care. And one of the ones that I had heard that was so interesting was that they kind of did a blind study. And this, you hear about this in the industry a lot. It's, so it's, they're not the only ones that have done it, but they said that they basically did a blind study of a doctor going into a patient's room and having a conversation with the patient. And uh, the reason why it was called a blind study was because the same exact questions were asked, the same exact tone of voice was used, they recorded it. And the same questions asked, same tone of voice used, and same amount of time spent. When the patient was asked later on, how was this experience? There was a significant difference. Some of the patients were actually indicated, oh, well, this visit was actually a lot longer than some of the previous doctors. And they're like, really? So when they went back and they looked what was done, the only difference was that the doctor sat down at the patient's bedside and tapped their hand. That physical connection. So the other things that we hear about is, you know, in terms of those questions that you were asking. So perhaps there's a way to eloquently change the dialogue of what is being asked of that patient and to change psychologically kind of shape the trust factor between the patient and the administrator or the nursing staff or the physician assistant, whoever is actually doing the intake, to get the patient open up the same exact way as they would if they were talking to the physician. So then the physician is not asking the same exact questions that the physician's assistant or the nurse practitioner has just asked, and they actually are focused on the problem at hand. And also utilizing to the fullest degree the leverage of your electronic medical record system, how can we utilize it to capture the information so that the patient actually addresses a lot of this even before the patient walks in? right? Because a patient, especially the new, younger ones, give them a tablet and they'll answer any question you might actually think about asking or even forget about asking them. They'll give you all that information right then and there, right? So as we're moving into this more technologically savvy world, how do we actually utilize technology to our advantage to provide effective care? And then to move it into the other direction is how do we bridge the gap between physical 
and behavioral health. That question is consistently being addressed now. We're starting to talk more about it, right? We're starting to see more and more incentives and requirements from Medicare or from commercial payers where there are certain questions that need to be asked in terms of metrics of how the patient is doing mentally and physically. But I will give you a very personal example of where the healthcare industry falls short. And that's in clinicians that don't really see the connection between mental health and the training that they had received because they are Western medicine trained and they're not really identifying the connection. So what I mean by that, a family member fell into the hospital and this happened to be approximately one month after that family member had experienced traumatic loss. There was a loss that they experienced on a personal level. There was a loss that they experienced on a financial level. There was a lot of emotional trauma that this family member had. Now, why did the family member go into the hospital? Because they had some kind of a condition that developed. It wasn't even a condition, I would say. It was a reaction. Let's put it that way. And the only resolution we had when we had tried to figure out if we should go to the hospital or go to urgent care the directive from the physicians were go to the hospital. Okay, during COVID, I take this family member into the hospital. The family member is in the hospital and the hospital has absolutely no idea what's wrong with the family member, okay? Four days later, the effect of what happened with that family member that was in the hospital repeats itself again. And now we're given the directive, okay, go and see this type of a specialist and go and see this type of a specialist. Those two specialists each could not find what was wrong with the patient. Physically, there was absolutely nothing wrong with them, yet the result was still there. I have hop on the call with a really good friend of mine who happens to be integrative healthcare professional, medicine practitioner who specializes in all these different, you know, things that are kind of outside the box. And they're like, has anything happened? Like, emotionally I'm like well how do you mean they're like well you're saying that they went to the hospital they went to see these two physicians nobody could figure out what's wrong but this issue this it keeps coming back so I'm just thinking anything happened emotionally I mean it's been COVID it's crazy and I'm like well yeah the individual had x y and z and the person I'm talking to just goes like this uh-huh I'll, I'll let you think about that uh-huh and I'm like what wow. they're like And you can't think of any possible reason why their body is reacting the way that it's reacting when they have not dealt with all of the X, Y, and Zs you just indicated and they can't find what's wrong with them in the hospital. So my whole entire point of that story, not one, not one of the clinicians in the hospital or in the two physicians that I took this individual to asked about the degree and extent of the family psychological history of what had happened with this individual within the past couple of months. Right. And and that's such a key point to brought up because yes, part of our training is psychiatry, right? We go into these rotations, uh, learn about mental health, but how many of us are actually implementing what we know about it into our own subspecialty? Not many. 
And when you think about positive intelligence, emotional code, there are books on these where people have trapped emotion that become pain, that become this grievance, that if they haven't dealt with this emotion, it pop up somewhere else down the road, right? Because people feel like you have to be tough at the moment. So they bury these and those, yeah, you, you bury them. And instead of just allow yourself to cry, allow yourself to scream on top of your lung to get over that. And I think this is awesome conversation we had today. We have a lot more to talk about. We'll definitely bring you back for another episode. But before we let you go, what is the one thing you definitely want our clinicians, providers, and nurses to know before we hop off? Absolutely. I'm sorry. I keep rambling because I'm so passionate about the stuff. So I will keep talking about it. But so one of the ways that we're helping combat and bridge the gap between behavioral and physical health and see patients as consumers is number one, we're providing several services as MK Medical Solutions. So the first service is we're providing an interstate licensing report, which is essentially whatever, whatever state you want to be a, a provider in. For example, you're licensed in Florida and you want to see patients in Oklahoma. We specialize in those reports and we will tell you what needs to happen in order for you to see those patients. This is essentially helpful for mental health professionals, psychologists, LCSWs, a licensed mental health therapist, a licensed family marriage therapist, different types of specialists that are within the behavioral space. So they want to go in and see what it would be like for them to treat patients in those states. So we've had positive feedback for that. One of the other ways is that we work with clinicians on the implementation stage of starting their practice, meaning doing the credentials with the insurance, doing the contracting, forming groups. We actually have the partnered with another organization called CoSpace out of Florida, which is amazing organization and uh, mentally fit. And we've created a course well, between MK Medical Solutions and CoSpace. This is a course that's online. It's a masterclass. It's called How to Get Credentialed and Form a Group. It's applied to all specialties in all states. It's all of an hour and a half. And you could actually go take the course and you will understand a heck of a lot more as to the process of how credentialing works, what goes into play, and what you need to do to make your practice thrive and not survive. So we're utilizing all these different tools, credentialing, licensing, starting a private practice, and understanding how you can actually treat patients a little bit more like consumers by providing a niche and creating your practice to be a boutique kind of a niche shop. Because at the end of the day, who else wins? You as the provider. When you realize that, for example, oh, I don't want to work with teen trauma. Who's forcing you to? Don't take that patient. Take the patient that you want to help. Create a niche and a brand for what you want to do within your practice. If you're an OBGYN who actually doesn't want to see OB, but you just want to be a GYN, okay, well, let's think about that. You did all of these things, but you realize that you no longer want to provide OB, then how do we work about that? Or in retrospect, if you want to specialize within one kind of condition, if you are, you know, any other type of a specialist. So how do we actually get you the practice that you want to actually get? And we'll work with you on that and see how we can make you specialize in what you're specializing in so you could provide the care. Our mission is to provide clarity in changing healthcare. So we want to make sure that we are effective within our mission 
and we are true to our values. And our values are radical honesty. And yes, I am a very big Ray Dahlia fan. And uh, success and clarity. Those are our vision and our key pillars. So when we put all of that together, we hope that we could at least change one practice at a time. Yeah, that's so awesome. I think it's so needed in, especially at the time of now. So how could people find you to get more information? Sure. So uh, they could go to mkmedicalsolutions.com. That's Amazon Michael, K is in Kite. And they could also follow us on LinkedIn or on Facebook. We are all over social media. Facebook On Facebook, we're MK Medical Solutions, LLC. On LinkedIn, on Instagram, they can connect with me. I am at Med Consultant, uh, MK Med Consultant. Sorry, I forgot my Instagram name. MK Med Consultant. And on Twitter also, they could uh, and get, could get all this information. And we also have a YouTube channel where we provide free two-minute administrative tips on running a practice. Also, MK Medical Solutions. Perfect. So chat with them. Yeah, I will have all that in the show note as well. And thank you, Margarita, for being on the show today. And hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Bye for now. All right, my friend, how did you like this past episode? Did you love it? If you do, please subscribe to our show so you can build your positive intelligence and continue to grow that beautiful mind of yours to be both powerful and passionate. I know this is just the tip of iceberg, despite of how many podcasts you have been listening to, how many information you, you absorb, sometimes you still feel tired and unfocused. If your day is filled with patience and your schedule is crazy, I'm going to show you exactly how in just two minutes to calm your brain, feel more energized without feeling the need to grab that fourth cup of coffee by midday. And I will show you how to feel energized throughout the day so you don't feel the need to crush on your couch as soon as you're walking the door, ever. To get started, just go to sabrinarumbach.com forward slash energy. You can then instantly grab this powerful audio file training to reset yourself. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you no longer are distracted by maintaining busy work and focused only on the things that truly matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together, we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.